What a fantastic phrase. What would you include in an offline Kanban board and why? Okay, an offline Kanban board would be a Kanban. They started offline, so we don't have to say that one. Surely the online tool, the digital one, is the new one. We should. But anyway, it doesn't matter. The difference is bits and bytes or sticky tape and post-its. Um, what would I include in a Kanban? Well, that's a really hard one to answer because it depends is the answer. Now, how we work when we're developing a Kanban is we work with the team. We want to understand how they work and get your Kanban to reflect that in truth. So if they have six different steps that the work really goes through, you're likely to have six different columns. Okay, Each one named nicely so that everybody understands we're at this stage of the development you know, and we're going to move to this stage. When these exit criteria are completed, I'm a real stickler for making sure we know the Scrum world would call it the definition of done. When I'm working with Kanban, I can't remember why. I'm sure I picked it up from somewhere, but I tend to refer them to as exit criteria. This is true. We can move to the next stage. We can move one step to the right on the Kanban. And I'll work with the team to understand what they think it is. Right? And that can be very quick, rough and ready at the start. And over time, it will evolve to be a truer reflection of how they work. For example, I worked with one software team and some of you may not like it, to be honest, I don't care. It was well over a decade ago and it worked. And that would be the hallmark of what we're looking for here. It worked for us. We had a list of stuff called a backlog and we kept about 10 items in that list at any one time. They could chop and change as wanted. Um, really synonymous with the product backlog in the Scrum world. The next column was next. This was the four things that the product owner wanted us to take on next, that the customer thought was likely to be the most important. And she was allowed to move things in there and take things out as she decided, as long as it met the exit criteria from the backlog into the next column, which was pretty loose, i.e. we'd had a chat about it and not much more, because as a team we knew that to move from there to the next one, which was starting sort of the planning um, of it, was going to involve that customer. We were going to be having a chat. We were going to be thinking about what the problem was and really understanding it. Okay. And once we'd got a good grip of working with the customer, it's not that we said goodbye to them forever, but it's that they could fade into the background and do other parts of their role while we started designing out so we were really sitting down and designing the software thinking about it properly we understood the problem or we understood the problem well enough so we would be looking at designing the software what is it that we needed to do as part of that we started developing early stage tests what would this look like how would we know that we're done things like that before rolling into more of the development side of things and we had several stages in development because none of this is straightforward Okay, with buffers and things like that, because when we finished stuff, but it wasn't ready to be picked up by the next people and what have you. We had code reviews and I'm sure you're all shouting at me for not doing pair programming, but we did. But we had to do a code review because the organization required it. Um, hey ho. And out the other end, once we as a team had 
uh, to the best of our knowledge, solved the problem. And when I say to the best of our knowledge, the customer was in there, we would move it to a stage that was for true user acceptance. So it was moved onto a platform. It had to move outside of our remit because it was controlled by another team. So we arranged upload of the new work onto that platform so that the UAT team could work with real customers to test that it solved the problems that they'd initially talked about to the customer, the product owner that we talked to. Because we only talked to one or two of them, but there were often maybe a dozen, maybe a hundred, depended on the part of the system we were working with. And they got to play around with it before it moved into another stage, which was called burn. Okay, Burn was a very simple stage. We had to turn the software on. It had to run without failure for a month before it could go into production. That was part of the regulatory requirements for the product that we were working on. So there was no getting around it. The customers were happy. They thought it was in a good state. It went into this cycle four weeks later. If nothing had gone wrong, it would be released to production. So everything sat across these. I think we probably had somewhere in the region of a dozen different columns, but that supported our process. And it had evolved over time and things popped up and disappeared as we experimented with new ways of working. And we would start questioning, do we really need the next column? Could we not just choose any of these? And what we actually found when we experimented with that was, yes, we did need it because it helped focus everybody on what was coming up. We were also thinking about, yeah, we were thinking about the stuff in the backlog, but the next was definitely. And the reason that it became so obvious we needed it was our product owner took a holiday and we knew what those four things were and we'd had a chat about them. We hadn't really talked about anything else coming up beyond the basic outlining of it to understand if there was any serious issues with the product, how it could need to change. And um, they decided to take two weeks off because, you know, why not? It seems fair. Um, and if we hadn't done that work to get it into next, which was minimal, we couldn't have done anything. As a team, we would have stalled because there was really nobody else about to pick up that work and help us get started. We'd had enough of a conversation that we felt comfortable bringing it into the design and planning buckets to do some work to get things moving. And when she came back, she had a look at it. We weren't 100% right, but we were close enough that we put some changes into the system and it was good enough. It helped us, it supported us in the realities of our day-to-day -day work, which is what we're looking for from a good Kanban, is it reflects, it makes transparent how you're working, the state of all your work, so that you can act on it. You can look where the bottlenecks are starting to appear and work on those areas to release them. And obviously, Good old theory of constraints. Once you've released one bottleneck, another one will appear and you're going to work on that. But you can also use it to experiment with how you work. You can see the impact of changing things. So there is no one thing I would put into a Kanban. I would always start with how does the team work today? And from that, once we've got it mapped out and evolved to truly reflect what they do, we would evolve it together with the hypotheses to make ourselves more effective, to deliver customer value better, faster if possible. Okay? By focusing on ways of working, by focusing on those constraints in the system to help things flow smoother. If you've got to this point in the video, I hope you've enjoyed it. If so, a like would be appreciated. If you wanna hear more from me, more answers to questions that maybe you've got in the Agile world, please subscribe to the channel. And if you've got a question that you really want answered, 
dropping it in the comments. I promise we'll get around to it. Thank you.